It is so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to see everybody here. Hallelujah. New faces. Man, this is a three times on Sunday. That's awesome. A lot of churches are barely having one. <laughs> You're having three. That's awesome. And I'm so excited to be here. And I believe that God wants to touch somebody today. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Because we know that he's here. And he has everything that we need. We've tried everything else, haven't we? Come on. You know you have. <laughs> oh, we've tried. Every once in a while somebody goes by and see that thing at $250 million And you're like, dude, I got to buy one. Just, just uh, you know, it's good. What's, uh, what's $3? And, and my brother told me, told me all, all the time, Doug, you got to play because it's beginner's luck. It's beginner's luck. You just play one time and you probably do. I just got tired of him doing it. So one day I just went up there and said, yeah, I want one. And I got it, and I knew I wasn't going to win. And I, I called him, and the next day I said, all right, you can leave me alone. <laughs> I bought wine with nothing. I wasted $3 of my money. So, no more. And he texted me, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, you've tried everything. Some of you tried drugs. You've tried new relationships. You've tried so much stuff. Let me tell you something. Jesus has been at the door of your heart simply knocking and saying, look, if you'll open up, I'll come in. I'll be the greatest lottery that you'll ever win. I'll be your hope. He says, I am. Amen. I am everything that you need. Aren't you glad about that? Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Let's go to the word of the Lord tonight. Hebrews chapter number 12. Thank you, Brother and Sister Grogan, your family, for allowing me to be here. Bishop, your wife, thank you guys very, very much for being in a city for this long and pastoring and and uh, just absolutely digging out a church and then, and then being here and watching it grow. This is a great thing. Let me tell you something. Pastoring is, is the hardest job in the world. It is. It is. I have four kids, right? right? And let me tell you something. There are times that I want to give them away. I, I'll even pay you some time to take them. <laughs> just some time. And yet, there are a lot of people here. Amen. There are a lot of people here. I, sometimes my kids call me in the middle of the night. Hey, my credit card's not working. I need some money. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what? I'm asleep. Don't call me. Uh, you know, you already left. You know, uh, what, what's the deal? <laughs> um, have people calling you at 2 o'clock in the morning, wanting you to come pray for them, and they willingly get up and go pray and love you and concerned about you. You ought to thank God that you have people in your life that care for you and are concerned about you, that don't look at you like a dollar bill, but they care for your life and pray for you and lay in the floor and cry and pray and ask God to save your children. You ought to be happy. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently. Can I just say, reaching diligently. Searching, reaching, looking 
diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, his blessing. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And so I just want to preach to you just for a little while tonight upon this subject, just beyond reach. Just beyond reach. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, begins chapter number 12 by just simply saying, we are compassed with a very large crowd of people that have, that have kept the faith, that have been through some trials, that have been through some serious situations. If you'll read Hebrews 11, it talks about the heroes of faith that against all odds made it. The Bible even says that some died in the faith. They didn't lose faith because of their death. They died, and in the last breath that they took, they were talking about how good God was and that he was able and that he was a healer and that he was a savior. They did not lose faith no matter what. They had been through fire. They had watched some of their loved ones die. They had been through so much stuff and yet we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses that were saying, look, we held on. We didn't quit. We didn't, we didn't do any of that. We kept reaching, and we kept searching, and we kept believing, and we kept praying, and we kept shouting. Is there anybody that had that kind of keeping on spirit in this house tonight? Hallelujah. So he said, in the midst of all of this, Lay aside anything that would keep you from being saved. Man, so many times as I get older, when I was younger, I always had this little question, well, is it a heaven or hell issue? I wanted to know that. Well, is this going to send me to hell? And, uh, well, is this going to make me go to heaven? I wanted to know. But, you know, the older I get, I have found out that there's some things that are just not heaven or hell issues, but I just don't want to do them anymore because they're not helping me. And if they're not helping me, they're hindering me. I've come for one reason. I've got to be saved. I want my family saved. I want you saved. And I've got to do whatever it takes to be saved because, man, there's a lot of things out there trying to trip you up. There's a lot of junk out there trying to keep you from being saved. Not only just the devil. I mean, some people like to throw his name around like he knows who you are. And I've really come to the, probably, probably, he don't even know who you is. <laughs> I mean, we always talk about the devil's been on my back all week, bless his name. But really, he probably doesn't even know where you live. You know what? God had to introduce the devil to Job. 
the devil just showed up at heaven and was talking to God and and God asked him, where'd you come from? He said, from walking to and fro and throughout the whole earth. He said, have you, have you seen my servant Job? Do you know Job? Honey, I'm telling you, when God starts talking like this, I start getting worried. Hey, hey, don't talk to him about me. <laughs> I got enough trouble. <laughs> I'm trying to stay married, stay a good parent, work, preach, stay saved. I don't need the devil coming up and getting in my business. <laughs> but God had to introduce Job to the devil. So there's some things that are, may not be black and white and right and wrong. But honey, if they're keeping you from being everything that you can be for God, it's time to just say, I'm laying those things aside. We need to learn how to do that. I don't need my pastor coming and knocking on my door and saying, look, I got a list of things you need to get out of your house. Somewhere we need to start praying, God, what pleases you? And I found out that every time I'm in, involved in this, I don't feel like praying. I don't worship like I should. So you know what? If it's hindering me, I'm kicking it to the curb. The Bible said it like this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so he says that, and he said in the middle of all that, look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't look down the pew and, and, and measure yourself with somebody. Look to Jesus. Don't look across there and say, well, they do it, and they can get away with it. Well, they're doing it, and they look saved. Ah, oh, I know. Look into Jesus. I want to look to him. He's the one who went to Calvary for me. He was the one who died for me. He's the one I'm having a relationship with. Man, I remember, man, when I met my wife, there were some things I stopped doing. There's some people I stopped hanging around. I wanted to be with her. And there was people saying, what's wrong with you? I said, ain't nothing wrong with me, baby. Uh, man, everything is right. <laughs> they said, you don't play as much basketball as you used to. I was like, yeah, I know that. I found something better than basketball. Woo! <laughs> they said, you mean you're not going tonight? No, I ain't going. Man, we're going to have fun. Everybody's going to be there. Man, count me out, baby. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to go sit across the table and gaze in the most beautiful woman in the world. That's what I'm doing. Honey, let me tell you something. I'm not in this church because you're here. And if you decide to leave, I'm going to weep and cry for you and ask God to save you. But I come to this church because Jesus is here. I come because he died for me. He wants to save me. I'm in a relationship with him. And the Bible said he did whatever was necessary at Calvary. He did that for me. He went to Calvary for me. Can I, can I just tell you that let me tell you something. When someone invites you to come and to repent of your sins, 
or begins to preach to you about some things that you need to get out of your life and sin. Man, we have a hard time people naming sin anymore. But when your pastor gets up here or an evangelist or somebody starts getting up here and they're preaching with passion and they're preaching and you feel the Holy Ghost and they're not naming stuff and they start quoting scripture of stuff you're doing, don't get all mad and bent out of shape and go find some other church who doesn't mention that stuff. If it's in the Bible, say, you know what? Jesus did whatever necessary so that I might be saved. That's all right. He did whatever was necessary at Calvary. When someone gives you an opportunity to come down here and to repent of your sins, let me tell you what God told me the other day. I heard a message. I was listening to preaching, and I'm a preacher, but I need to be preached to. And, hey, man, that preacher was preaching, and as he was preaching, I wanted to crawl underneath the pew. I mean, I've been preaching for almost 27, 28 years now. Man, that's a long time, dear God, I'm getting old. I know you guys, he doesn't look old. I appreciate you saying that, but I'm, a, I'm 50 years old, man. I'm 50. I, I know I don't look, but I feel it. <laughs> Woo. Honey, I feel it. But I'm telling you, man. I got to hear him preaching, and I got started being convicted. And I was listening to this preaching, and I was thinking, man, I got to find me an altar. After preaching 20-something years, I need an altar. And so I ran to the altar, and I was praying. And I was saying, God, I want you to touch me, Lord. And I said, God, I want you to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me and cleanse me and forgive me. And I heard the voice of God ask me, forgive you of what? It's rough when God says, I don't want generalities. I want you to tell me what you want me to forgive you of. I mean, I know what they are, but I want you to tell me, God, I want you to forgive me and start naming them. Because when I start confessing it, then he realizes that I know that I'm wrong. I'm telling you, don't feel bad about coming to the altar and asking God, God, forgive me of my lust. You may have to say it under your breath. So your neighbor doesn't hear you. God, forgive me for having adultery thoughts. And you, everybody's bringing their wife and others, other places. Come pray over here, babe. Don't pray over there by them. <laughs> But don't be afraid. I heard one person one time tell me, I don't want to tell all God that. I don't want to tell him that. Honey, he was there when you did it. <laughs> He's not going to blush. He was there. He was trying to get you not to do it. And when you did it, he's still reaching for you to help you and to forgive you so you won't do it. So we have to come up to the altar and we have to tell God, forgive me. Forgive me for trying to live my life without you. Forgive me for my own ways. Forgive me for listening to my grandma more than me listening to you. God, forgive me for that. Forgive me for listening to my friends. Forgive me for the bitterness that I have for so-and-so. Boy, I'm telling you, you start getting, oh, I'm going to tell you something. I, this is not even in my notes. I didn't even write this down, but I feel like preaching a little bit right here. Honey, there's sometimes you're going to have to be honest with God and call that person's name and say, God, so-and-so did this to me. But you know what? They're your child just as much as I am. So, God, would you help me? Help me to forgive them. For God, and help me to love them and pray for them. God help me. Honey, you got to tell God what's wrong with you. Just come up here and say, Lord, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. Or just cry. 
I've done this before. But, I, you know, some of you are new here and you ain't seen this happen before. Get ready. You know, if you set your wife down and say, babe, I need to talk to you. They always, whenever you do that, they always get nervous. <laughs> always get nervous. <laughs> and say, babe, I need to talk to you. All right, what's going on? And you just say, okay, babe. <laughs> and you cry. You just get there and cry in front of her for 30 minutes. And then you get through and say, thank you. I feel so much better. And you walk off. Honey, I'm going to tell you, she's going to be dying on the phone. Uh, you know what? You need to come get him and put him in a straitjacket and put him home, some home somewhere. He didn't talk to me. He sat there and looked at me and cried for 30 minutes and then got up and had the audacity to say he feels better. Honey, I don't feel better. I, I feel like I need a gun. You know what I'm saying? I, he's creepy. I, I need something to protection or something. I need a stun gun or something. That dude is around me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> But how many times do we do that to God? We come up to the altar and just cry. We don't say nothing. We don't do We just cry. And then we walk off and say we feel better. You don't feel better. We got to open our mouth and start talking to God and being honest with God. There are some times that I don't feel your presence, and I don't want that. I want to feel you. I want to reach to you. I've got to be saved. Forgive me. And when you start opening your mouth and you start repentance, it's not going to be long until he's going to fill your mouth with heavenly language. And you're going to start talking in tongues because he's going to give you a new life. He's going to give you a new heart. That's the gospel. It's the it's the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It's us going to the altar and repenting and then being baptized wherever it is. Baptized in Jesus' name. And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, I wouldn't leave this house until I was baptized in Jesus' name. I wouldn't wait till next week, next month, next service. Well, I got to invite my family here. I got to do this and I got to do that. Honey, if God comes tomorrow, I want to make sure I'm saved. I've got to be saved. Take a video, show it to them. I, you know, well, I don't know if I believe that. They said, Jesus, stop right there. Wait for me. I'm going to go bury my dead grandma. He said, let the dead bury their dead. He said, when it comes to me, follow me immediately. Don't wait. Don't go home. Don't go to talk to somebody. It's time to make your decision and make it now. We have to understand that. We have to reach for God. And so while he's near, oh, Lord, he said, search for me. Reach for me while I'm near. Oh, he told his disciples there's going to come a day where you're going to look for me and you're not going to be able to find me. And they looked at him and said, oh, where is he going to go? Where is he going to go? We can't find him. What's wrong? What's wrong with him? He's been in the sun too long. What's wrong with him? But it's very, very true. I don't want to wait until it's too late. 
I don't want to wait until it's too late. I want to find God now. I want to know Him. I want to reach for Him. I want to touch Him. I want to have a heart that is pure. I want to be saved. I don't care. I'm not waiting for my boyfriend to come with me. I'm not waiting for my girlfriend to come with me. I'm not waiting for all my kids to make up their mind. This is what they want to do. Honey, I'm going to make up my mind. I've got to be saved. I've got to go to the altar. I've got to pray through. I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, I've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. He said, looking diligently. Looking diligently. Oh, I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that, that group that is diligently seeking the Lord. Not just something that, you know, you just kind of feel around and, you know, sometimes you come in and may not be as hopping as other times and you're like, okay, well, it's just church or whatever. And, and you're thinking, okay, well, I wish somebody would have kind of, the soul would have caught on fire. I may have run the aisles or something, but since that nothing happened, I'll just kind of just hang out and it'll be just another one of those services. I guess I'll wait till next week or I'll wait till when Brother Winslow comes. Or <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now, I... You're better people than me. Because, honey, when someone starts looking around like this and for someone to call out, I want to go to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? I just want I want to check out, man. Don't come talk to me. Don't come call me out and tell me stand up and tell me all the bad things. I, oh, oh, in Jesus' name. Tell me all the good things that are going to happen to me, please. Don't stand me up and say, hey, that girl you've been looking at at work, you better stop lying. <laughs> yeah, don't say nothing to me, please. Don't. Call me over there in the corner with nobody looking and talk to me, and I'll pray through. <laughs> Don't call me out in front of everybody's, <laughs> especially my wife. I want to live. <laughs> man, I heard a bunch of people say, yeah, man, this guy's been cheating on his wife for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. She's taking him back. Man, you got a better wife than me. My wife catching me for one time, son. She'll tell me to go to sleep, and I will wake up looking at Jesus. You hear me? <laughs> Woo! And when your wife is mad at you, and all she's telling you to do is go to sleep, you better stay up, honey. You better stay up. You better stay awake. Because <laughs> you're going to go see Jesus, or the devil won. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Some of you got that nervous laugh. Like <laughs> and your wife is sitting there like, you better listen. <laughs> we really do. We have to really be diligent about this. This needs to be the thing that you put the most work into. You know what happened? One day I, I was in really need of a job. I mean, my wife had had cancer, and man, we had lost everything. And I was, I was actually living with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Don't ever do that, dear God. Don't. Ever, oh God, don't ever do that. No matter how much you love them, <laughs> it's for a weekend, yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't live with your mother. Oh God. 
So I was living with him, and I needed a job really bad. And so we, we were getting back on our feet and getting my wife healthy. And I remember this guy called me and said, hey, uh, there's a job available, bro. You, uh, do, you, do you know how to uh, do, uh, do locks? You know how to rekey a lock? And you know how to do And I was like, yeah, 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 I do. He said, all right. He said, tomorrow, he said, uh, they're going to, they're gonna, you know, meet you, and then they're going to test you because that's one of the main things they're going to do. They know you can do all this stuff, but you got to learn how to do that lock because if you know how to do that, then, then you, you got it. So, so I said, oh, yeah, I know how to do it. <laughs> Never did it before in my life. <laughs> but I was going to learn <laughs> that night. <laughs> so I went to Home Depot, and I bought me a lock. <laughs> and I bought me some stuff, and I stayed up. And I stayed up, and I picked that lock, and I redid that lock, and I rekeyed that lock 900 times. And there's times where springs were going, Trang! and I was looking all over the floor and couldn't find them. I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and get some more until I got it. And the next morning, I stayed up. But I'm telling you, I was diligent. Everybody else was doing their fun stuff. Hey, we're going out to ice cream. No, no, uh-uh, not me. I'm staying right here, and I'm going to learn this. And you know what? The next day, I walked in there, and they said, all right, Doug, good to meet you. Yeah, you know this. How, yeah, okay. Do you know how to do a lock? Yes, I do. Here's a lock. Do it. And, man, I picked that lock, whoop, put that key in, redid the whole thing, put that cylinder back in, and I clicked it, and it worked. And they said, all right, you got the job. And when they left, <laughs> oh, yeah, when they left, my friend waited till they were gone. And he looked at me, and he said, that was the first time you did that, huh? I was like, you better believe it, baby. He slapped me high five. He said, way to go, baby. Hey, when you're hungry, when you've got to have it, you don't care if everybody else is doing something. You don't care if everybody else on your pew has dry eyes. You're saying, I'll weep. I'll reach. I've got to have God looking diligent. And then he gives us Esau. Now, if you're here tonight and you've never heard the story about Esau, let me give you the Barnes and Noble. Uh, what did they call it? That Barnes Notes. What are they? No, it's not Barnes Notes. What is it? What is it? There you go. That's a, those notes. Okay. <laughs> Abel and Esau were born, brother, brothers. And uh, one of them liked to work out in the field and kill stuff, and the other one took care of sheep and stuff. I'm sorry, one of them was a tiller of the ground and worked in the ground and raised uh, grapes and stuff like that. And the other one was raised sheep. It come to the pass that, that uh, they brought a blessing unto the Lord. They, they brought a, you know what, here's the thing. I find out that Cain was worshiping the Lord. He, he wasn't doing this, he was just bringing something and he was worshiping the Lord. And there was nothing. Nothing happened. I mean, can, you, can you imagine? I mean, I've been there. You know, you come, come to church and you're clapping your hands and hopefully on beat. And, you, and you're clapping your hands. And thank God they put the words up there so you could, you could read them, you know. I, mem I remember when you had to hold a book. You know what I'm saying? And you hold a book and, and you were trying to read a book and read a book and read a book. And then all of a sudden they disappeared. And you're like, where the, oh, oh, verse number two is right there. Oh, I, I had to go all the way back up. And you read the book and you read the book and you read it. I mean, no, there, how could you clap your hands if you're reading the book? So, I mean, there was nobody hard at clapping their hands. I mean, I guess you could stomp your feet on that, you know, and why is you reading the book? That was rough. And then when everybody get through, 
They had wooden pews, and they put the books down, and it sounded like a whole bunch of people clapping. <laughs> you know, just throw the book down. <laughs> sounded like a... Thank God we got rid of those books, man. I like the songs. I wish they did just sing some of the songs I love. I read, but thank God they're up there. I could clap my hands. I could shout. I mean, I could do all kinds. I mean, think about it. I mean, you, you could almost turn backwards and look, and you can still read the words. I love it. <laughs> he was worshiping the Lord. He brought an offering unto the Lord. He wasn't worried about his brother Abel, nothing. He was bringing an offering unto the Lord and felt nothing and looked over there at his brother that was offering sheep unto the Lord and the Lord accepted his offering and moved on him and he was visibly touched and Esau looked over there and instead of saying, well, what's he doing? What's he doing? He bring a sheep. Well, bless God, where's the sheep? I'm going, I, I don't have a sheep. I have grapes. Well, bless God, I'm going to go get one of his sheep then. <laughs> I'm going I'm to offer whatever he's offering because I want to feel what he's feeling. Instead of doing that, the Bible said Esau got mad at God. He said, why are you touching him and you ain't touching me? And the Bible said one of these days that they were out in a field and he looks over there and says, bless God, and he hits his brother and kills him. Buries him in the dirt and just walks off like no big deal. God shows up to him. Says, hey, where's your brother? And he says, hey, I don't know. Mom, I am my brother's keeper. He said, hey, let me tell you something. Why, why are you so upset? Why is your countenance falling? Why, why are you so upset? Don't you realize that if I'm not accepting your offering, that there is an offering that I will accept, and it's lying at your door. It's already available to anybody. All you've got to do is find out what pleases me and do it, and I'll accept you. He didn't, he didn't like that. He was like, nope, it's too late. Let me tell you something. The Bible says and mentions Esau, looking diligently, searching, and he says, don't be like that profane man like Esau, who for one morsel of meat, and really... It wasn't even any meat in it. It was just a bunch of beans. See, Texas chili, I don't know about you, but I moved to Texas, and Texas chili has brisket inside of the beans. Oh, oh you talk about another level. <laughs> well, you like beans? Oh, yeah, I like beans. How about throwing some smoked brisket off on those bad boys? Oh, yeah, that's why I have one suit that fits, and it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to Texas, baby. My ministry has grown, son. <laughs> the Bible says that Esau started searching for his blessing and couldn't find it because it was out of reach. It was out of reach. He had waited too long. He had out, was so out of reach that he could not find the blessing of the Lord. The Bible said he searched diligently with tears, but it was just too late. Too late. It's too late. Why? In the <laughs> Somebody over there said something or I said something and didn't know what I said and they heard it and now they're laughing like a bunch of hyenas. 
or they're just still laughing at something I said 20 minutes ago or they just now caught it. I think maybe it's just because they're slow down there and they just caught one of my jokes. <laughs> He's taking me golfing tomorrow. He'll tell me what's up. <laughs> I won't beat him though. He's really good. He's not really that good. <laughs> I just say it so he likes me. <laughs> I wonder how many of you have come to church and all of a sudden, for some odd reason, you just can't feel God. And what did it do to you? Because I have a feeling that God started moving on Esau and Esau just wouldn't move. I really feel like that, that God didn't just have one conversation with Esau. Because if I know God like I know God, He's had multiple, multiple, multiple conversations with me he didn't just say hey if you get up get straight I'll be with you and bless you and then just walk away and never talk to me again no I'll be laying down that night and he'll say hey I'm still here I go to work the next morning hey I just want to let you know that I'm still worried about you I'm still I, I believe that God started talking to Esau and Esau just did not want I, I think slow here's a here's a good illustration about the Bible tells us he said, God spoke to and looked at the children of Israel when they were walking away from God. And his Bible said that he was, in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle. And his spirit, his literally a flame of fire or during the day was a cloud, literally hung over where God's presence was in the most holy place. The Bible says that he moved that from the most holy place. He said he moved it into the common area and he said, no one noticed one thing. He said, no one noticed. They kept it going in. They kept going out. They kept offering sacrifices and didn't realize that the presence of the Lord had moved away from them. They were just busy doing their thing, doing their thing. The Bible said he left that place and he went out outside of the gate of that little tabernacle. And no one even thought about it. They kept singing the song, sprinkling the blood, killing the lambs, offering it unto the God. And God's spirit had moved away. It was it long before he said I'm going to move my spirit all the way to the Mount Olivet and he said I stood there to see if anybody noticed had I moved do you know if I moved out of your presence and they didn't even notice I want to tell you I believe that God does this on a regular basis where God takes a step away from you to see if you would notice that he's away from you for you to reach for him I believe that we are saved in the diligently looking unto Jesus. I don't believe we're saved by experience. I believe we're saved by diligently reaching and diligently seeking him on a daily basis. And what moved me yesterday may not move me today, but I've got to keep reaching and I've got to keep looking diligently unto God. I can say this because my wife's not here, but man, after a certain amount of years of being married... Man, I've been married 20-something years now. And man, it's great and all. But there are times that I tell her, hey, babe, I'm going to go play golf. <laughs> oh, but I wanted you to. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't you tell her either. <laughs> and you know what? She probably does the same thing. I know she does the same thing to me. Hey, babe, can I have a kiss? I kissed you yesterday. <laughs> I kissed you yesterday. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. Leave me alone. Uh, was it Bill Cosby that said that in the first five years that you, you could go to kiss your wife, she had a neck that turned all the way around and she could kiss you like this? She said, I don't know if it was the fifth year or the 15th year, but I went to kiss my wife and she just kind of turned her head barely and started kissing the air. And she's like, baby, you didn't get here. Yeah, that thought that counts. <laughs> I, I, I can't do that anymore. Just stop trying. You know, I, I, I really mean this. I, I really mean this in a relationship. I believe that God does it on purpose that he steps away from you to see if you'll search for him. And let me tell you a story. I, I was just recently with a, with a man that uh, uh, he's a, he has a bunch of trees and he has almonds and all that stuff and he raises them. So I, I was at his house and, and uh, I noticed that they were, this is, this is Brother Don Deming, if you don't know. Uh, uh, he, he, we were at his house and he had pulled up all his trees. All his trees were just completely pulled up. And he was redoing all of it, putting new trees in and stuff. And he was driving me by and talking about it. And I said, we, we, we drove by this, this, this one um, uh, area, and it all had new trees, all new trees. It, I mean, they, they were barely this tall. And uh, I noticed that they had little water things, and they, and they had water that was literally pointed at the root of that tree. And it was just pouring water right there. They even had a little like a dam built all the way around it so none of the water would get out. It was all right, concentrated, right on that tree. And I looked at that and I was, I was looking. And then all of a sudden we went to another field as we were driving down the road and it had mature trees. They probably maybe three or four year old trees. And uh, they hadn't really started producing yet but they were, you know, they were growing, they were bigger. They had, you know, covered. And I noticed that the dam was gone and the water was three or four or five feet out. Okay, water was way out here. I mean, the tree was over here, and they were watering over here. And he was talking to me about the water shortage, and that California's got a water shortage, and they don't like you watering your trees, and they, they, they tell you that if you're going to water trees, you can only use so much. And he said, man, we're starting to really watch and really make sure we're doing everything right because, man, if you lose it, I mean, you, you, your whole crop may be gone, and you lose some serious money. He said, and I was like, well, what, well, bless God, what in the world are they watering way out in the path for? I was like, if you're worried about water, why are you watering 10 feet away from a tree? Water the tree for crying out loud. He said, oh, it doesn't work that way. He said, when they were young trees and they needed the water, we fed them right directly. But every year we move that water out. Listen, he said, we purposely move that water out. To get that tree to reach. Because we know if that tree doesn't learn how to reach, we'll never have a crop that we want. You've got to get every tree to reach. They've got to reach. They've got to learn what it is to be dry. They've got to learn what it is to not feel anything and not, and not have any water, but to smell it. Oh, those trees can smell it. They know where water is. They know where it is, and they'll reach for it, and they'll start, they'll, they'll break concrete. Do you hear me? They'll break concrete up to get to water. Because they don't want to die. 
because they understand I gotta have water. And so you start moving the water a little bit to get those trees to reach because if you can get them to reach 30, 40 feet out, then those trees will grow up and they'll be big trees and they'll be able to take the weight of blessing. Did you hear me? They're able to take the weight of blessing. Some of you are wondering, why am I not blessed? It could be because you want God to water you right at your root and you refuse to reach. So God says, there's no way I could bless you. You couldn't take it. There's no way that I could bless you. There's no way that I could give you more. But oh, when you learn how to reach, when you learn, I don't know about you, but here just recently, God moved himself away from me. And I I don't know about you it took me just a little while but I told my wife I told her I said babe something's going on and I'm not going to take it laying down I've got to find God I've got to find him I'm reaching for him and oh it was at a prayer meeting one night that I found him that I found him what was I doing I was reaching I don't know about you but I'm not going to stay dry I'm not going to stay lost I'm not going to stay not blessed I'm not going to stay where I am. I want to be where God is. I want to be where he is. I've got to feel his presence. Oh, let's stand and worship the Lord right now. Can we do that? Come on, let's stand all over this house and lift our hands to him right now. I wonder if somebody could reach to him just for a minute right now. Come on, I feel the presence of the Lord as it came in this place right now. I believe the Holy Ghost is just swept this door right now. Come on, somebody. Oh, God, I can't live without you. I don't want to go a day without you. God, if I don't feel you, I've got to reach until I do. I've got to weep. I'm to cry I'm going to reach because I have to have you I have to have you Lord in the name of Jesus 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 hallelujah listen to me real quick I've been in this a long time at two days old my mom brought me to church and put me under a pew I've been in this a long time. Man, I've been in services where, oh, I remember one year at camp meeting. I had just bought a brand new suit. I was wearing it. Holy Ghost got to moving in that old grassy place under a tent. And I ruined a good suit. I got so drunk, I wallowed around the floor. It was a black and white back when those days when this was in. Black and white houndstooth. Woo-hoo. I thought I was with it. Honey, after a good service, honey, that, that, that thing was gone. I mean, it was, it was completely ruined. I laid in that floor and I wallowed around the floor. I felt God like I hadn't in a long time. It was worth every cent. It was worth everything that I lost. I threw that suit away, went and bought another one, and I thought it was worth it, every, every minute of it. I looked back to those days. I looked back at that day, and I remember I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one. I think Brother Stephen Hill was one of them too. We were absolutely drunk out of our mind. 
We had a, no idea where we were. S service had been uh, uh, just gone and, and everybody left an hour ago. And my wife and a few people were sitting around while, while I, was, I was gone. I was, where, where were you? I was in the presence of the Lord. And I didn't even care about anything else. I didn't care about food. I didn't care about anybody. I didn't care about everybody was going I was, I found God that night. I had been reaching and I had found him. But the Bible said that Esau wept and he cried and he found no place of repentance. It was just beyond his reach. Honey, I'm going to tell you this today. I don't plan on ever getting there. I don't want to ever let God get to a place where he's just beyond my reach. If I feel him leaving me, I want to reach out and grab him and say, wherever you're going, I'm going with you. I've got to be where you are. I've got to be where you are. In the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to do this tonight. If you're here tonight, seriously, if you're here tonight and you want the Holy Ghost, I believe he wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I believe somewhere in this house, everybody who needs God and you want the Holy Ghost, I believe you're going to get it tonight. It's the easiest thing you'll ever receive is the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you need the Holy Ghost, if you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to come and I want you to stand all across this front. I want you to come and stand. I don't want you to feel worried. I don't want you to feel embarrassed. We're not going to let you come alone. We're going to come with you. We're going to come and stand with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to stand and be right beside you and pray. But let me tell you this today. You know what? I don't want to ever let those that don't have it outreach me that I do have it because it's imperative that I reach for God. It's imperative that I reach for God. It's imperative. No matter how long I've been in church, I've got to reach for God. I need Him. I've got to have Him. If you're here tonight and you're full of the Holy Ghost and you want to help somebody pray, would you please come and gather around the people that are in this altar? We're fixing to find God. We're fixing to reach for Him. We're fixing to find Him. He may be a little bit away from me. He may be moved just a little bit away from me but give me about five minutes I'm going to find him I'm going to reach for him I'm going to talk to him I'm going to pray I'm going to repent I'm going to do whatever it takes but I'm going to find God this is what I want you to do I want you to just begin to pray I want you to repent I want you to tell God forgive me I want you to wash me I want you to save me today God I want you to reach to him and love him I want to tell you he loves you more than you know but if you'll begin to pray it's not going to be long before the Holy Ghost comes on you if you're here tonight and you haven't felt him in a while come on somebody reach for him come on somebody reach for him today I just want you Come on, let's pray with somebody. Find somebody and pray with somebody right now. Pray that the Holy I'm Ghost will fill somebody tonight. In the name of Jesus. When I'm just going through the motions, I'm sorry. When I just sang another song, take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you.
and I'm sorry when I've come up with my agenda I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence Oh, I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to Come on, everybody, find somebody to pray with Come on Hungry hearts oh, are here. I'm not here for blessings. Hallelujah. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Come on, that's it. More than anything that you can do. Come on, everybody praying for somebody. Chataraya Tayasoraka. I'm caught up in your presence. Oh, I just want to sit here at your feet. Everybody praying for somebody. Come on, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Find somebody to pray with. There's people all over the front here from left to right that are crying and praying for the Holy Ghost. Come on, find somebody and help them. Come on, church. This is what it's all about right now. It's what it's all about right now. Find somebody. Strengthen them. Help them. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Come on, let the Holy Ghost fill you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, lift your hands and begin to worship the Lord. And let the Holy Ghost fall in this house. All over this house, let the Holy Ghost fall upon every person, upon every life, in every family. In the name of Jesus, we're reaching. We're reaching. We're reaching. We're reaching. We're reaching. 
Come on, that's it. Help somebody reach tonight. Reach beside them. Don't just watch them reach. You reach with them. Reach for God with them and let God touch you. Somebody is finding him right now. Somebody's found him. Somebody has found the presence of God. And they're talking in tongues. They're worshiping him. They're in his presence. Come on, keep reaching. Keep reaching. Keep reaching. Keep reaching.
Come on, that's it. That's the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Several have already received it. Shatara Kaya Torasa. 